Topic of our Dhamma talk this evening is uh, walking meditation, chankama, which is part of the contemplation of the postures, as we've seen uh, already yesterday. Now, we shall you know, briefly touch on the etymology of the term Chankama and then also give a brief definition of walking meditation and then give a number of examples for walking meditation that occur or that are being mentioned in the text. Then this will be followed by the actual instructions for repetition of the instructions on the walking meditation. And then we'll look at the benefits of the walking meditation and a few general aspects. Now, to start with a very you know, general you know, statement, you know, when you know, we compare you know, the you know, walking meditation to you know, the sitting you know, meditation, you know, then meditators have a tendency you know, to give much more preference to you know, the sitting meditation and uh, less preference to you know, the walking meditation. And so, you know, so the walking meditation is kind of uh, uh, oftentimes underestimated, estimated its potential is not certainly fully seen. Now, the Pali term for walking, uh, or the Pali term that applies here, is Chankama, but also Chankamana. And certainly Chankama can uh, be uh, or is related to the Sanskrit certain term chankarama and certain chankrama and certain this means certain walking up and down and a second certain meaning is certain, you know, the place where one is doing you know, the walking you know, meditation especially a terraced you know, walk or a cloister now as for the longer version of the term chankamana, it means walking up and down, and secondly, a cloister walk. So in terms of meaning, it's exactly the same thing. The related verb is chankamati, which means to walk about or to walk up and down. And in Nepal, at Satna, the meditation centers, walking meditation, still in the Nepali language, is Satna being referred to as Satna Chankraman. And Satna, so clearly, the words can be traced back to its Sanskrit roots. Now, a short Satna definition for you know, walking meditation could be as Satna follows. Mm, differing from ordinary, you know, simple, casual you know, walking in order to uh, get to a certain place, reach a certain um, you know, destination in terms of a physical you know, location, you know, when we you know, do you know, or, or walking you know, meditation is uh, um, well a formal 
form of meditation and that involves walking up and down, back and forth with mindfulness and its goal is certainly to reach a different kind of destination, a destination that has no physical location. And the destination is what? Nibbana. There you go. And so, and so there are clear you know, differences between ordinary casual you know, walking and formal mindful you know, walking. And Formal mindful walking is done in usually in a slower manner, and suddenly then really paying close attention to all the many occurrences or ordinary experiences that occur while one is lifting the foot and while one is moving it and suddenly then lowering and placing it. Now, there are quite a number of references in the text that report or describe the Buddha as performing walking meditation. And then there are also passages that describe the Buddha's senior disciples engaged in walking meditation. And certainly sometimes even both the Buddha and certainly senior disciples with their respective groups of followers. So for instance, we have one section in the Samyutta Nikaya, namely the first, its first volume, section 107, where it says as Satnu follows. On one occasion, and I'm quoting, the Blessed One was dwelling at Rajagaha in the bamboo grove, the squirrel sanctuary. Then, when the night was Satnu fading, the Blessed One, having spent much of the night walking back and forth in the open, washed his feet, entered his dwelling, and lay down on his right side in the lion's posture with one leg overlapping the other, mindful and clearly comprehending, having attended to the idea of rising. So this passage describes the Buddha performing walking meditation during the night time. And Sapna then, having done so for quite a while, the Buddha went back to his quarters and washed his feet and then laid down on his right side in the so-called lion's posture. Now, the lion's posture means that the right foot was resting on the left yeah, with uh, you know, the right certain foot, if I'm not mistaken, resting on you know, the left certain foot. And uh, then having attended to the idea of foot uh, rising you know, is a reference to you know, the Buddha's word. You know, what? Uh, yes, indeed, it was his certain form of an alarm clock, setting, you know, setting the alarm clock, and certainly determined you know, back then there, of course, no alarm clocks certainly existed, and uh, uh, so um, he would, as Venerable Viranyani has correctly said, he would determine a time at which he wanted certainly to get up. Now. This is, in, in just in this certain connection, this is something we can train uh, ourselves in. And certainly, for instance, you know, when we go to bed, you know, we may, apart from you know, setting our alarm clock, also make a mental you know, resolution, okay, now I intend to get up at such and such a time uh, in the morning. 
And if we keep uh, mm, keep up this certain uh, practice for uh, a while, yeah, then uh, eventually it does certain uh, work more or uh, less. Now, there is a different certain passage that certainly speaks about certain mindfulness or that speaks about well walking meditation and certainly this certainly here is certainly also from the Samyutta Nikaya but a different discourse namely from the 35th collection discourse 120 and certainly there it says and how, friend, is one devoted to wakefulness? And here, you know, during the day, while walking back and forth and sitting, a bhikkhu or bhikkhuni or lay meditator purifies his or her mind of obstructive fitness states. Then the Buddha goes on to say in the first watch of the night while walking back and forth and sitting one purifies the mind of obstructive states. In the middle watch of the night and so this is from 10 p.m. until 2 p.m. in the morning one lies down on one's right side in the lion's posture with one foot overlapping and one foot overlapping the other mindful and clearly comprehending after noting in one's mind the idea of rising after rising in the last watch of the night while walking back and forth and sitting one purifies one's mind of obstructive states it is in this way your friend that one is devoted to wakefulness and wakefulness certainly in the Pali scriptural language is known as Jagariya now the interesting part here is that uh, the instructions are the instructions on walking meditation are somewhat different from the ones that you received at the outset of the retreat, and the difference comes in the in the factor in the form that the Buddha says one does the walking back and forth and sitting and purifies one's mind of obstructive states. So the walking meditation is strongly well occupied or walking meditation is meant to purify one's mind. What are those obstructive states? What is meant by this? The hindrances, yes, is certainly correct. The five certain hindrances. So usually, you know, the meditation instruct, you know, instructions on the walking meditation are you know, given with an emphasis on, you know, well, you know, let's say, you know, lifting one's certain foot and then knowing you know, the different different sensations occurring in the foot and then also you know, when you know, while one is certainly you know, moving the foot forward you know, then to know, you know the sensations occurring during this uh, forward certain process and certainly then uh, likewise you know, to know the predominant certain sensations occurring you know, during you know, the you know, lowering placing of you know, the foot so the emphasis is very much on knowing physical sensations in the foot although the instructions do mention that certainly if on occasion let's say one is certainly overcome by much wandering mind so obsessive thinking takes place and it really interferes with the walking meditation then one could certainly take the wandering mind itself as an object and certainly then label it, observe it in a non-reactive manner and certainly then to know its nature.
Now, there is also uh, this uh, one uh, passage of, uh, well, the Buddha together with uh, his senior disciples undertaking walking meditation. And each of these senior disciples then had with him a larger group of students, monastic students. So a huge group of people doing the walking meditation together. And this particular section or a passage can be found in the second volume of the Samyutta Nikaya and a section 155. And the passage is interesting also from another point of view, not necessarily related to the walking meditation. And the Buddha points out that people with similar mindsets or similar inclinations tend to well, come together. So likes attract each other. And so then the Buddha speaks of each of the senior disciples and praises each person in a certain way as being outstanding in the development of psychic powers or outstanding in the exposition of the Dhamma. And so on, each disciple then has this senior disciple has a group of like-minded followers with him. And then the Buddha turns his attention to Devadatta and says in a rather straightforward manner, well, Devadatta is of an unwholesome mindset and has people with like unwholesome mindsets gathered around him. So <laughs> that's a rather bold, bold statement. Now there's also this one passage given in the Anguttara Nikaya 5, section 65, which describes or which goes as follows, namely, the Buddha was staying at Sawati, at Jeta's Grove in Anattapindika's Park, and then King Pasanadi of Kosala, king at the time, approached the monastery. And at that time, a number of monastics were walking up and down in the open air, and suddenly then Pasanadi, the Raja of Kosala, so the king of Fatin Kosala, went towards those monks and on reaching them, thus addressed them, and suddenly then wanted to know, okay, where can I find the Blessed One? And the monks suddenly then related or well told him what to do to walk over to certain dwelling and Satna then in front of Satna the door to clear his throat and Satna then the Buddha would Satna give him a sign to come in. So um, in the context of a, of a certain uh, event that took time at the involving the Buddha and King Basanadi, then the walking meditation is being mentioned. Now, we have also a well-known passage about Elder Ananda, the long-standing disciple of the Buddha who performed walking meditation all through the night, namely the night preceding the first synod, the first Buddhist council, during which then the texts were recited. And Ananda was important to this council because of his tremendous memory and also because he had been around the Buddha for the long for a long period of time and had heard many of the Buddha's discourses. However, there were a certain 
a requirement was placed for you know, the first Buddhist council, namely what? Yes, certainly everyone had to be an arahant. And certainly the problem with Ananda at the time was that he had not, he was a stream enter, yes, but he had not yet attained certain arahantship. And so, so he then tried very much to, well, gain, or he tried very much in, in his certain walking meditation, and yet he did not certainly succeed. And eventually he realized that he had certainly overstrained and certainly then decided to lie down to rest a bit. And while he sat down and then gradually inclined on the bed before his head was hitting the surface of the bed, he then gained Arahanship. And so this is certainly just another you know, occurrence of uh, a particular you know, monastic performing uh, walking meditation. Then you know, we have you know, the story of Terichitta, uh, namely um, an elderly you know, woman who you know, had become who had who actually was the daughter of a leading citizen of Rajagaha and she had heard the Buddha give a discourse and she was strongly inspired by this ready to overcome all suffering to gain liberation she then entered the order of the bhikkhunis under Mahabhajapati Gautami and then, in her old age, she stayed in a monastery near Gijakuta, which is in the northern part of India, not too far away from present-day Bodhgaya. And so she was practicing sitting and walking meditation. Now, Teri Chitta, uh, was unfortunately you know, suffering from a certain or particular ailment, and uh, once in a while she would uh, be you know, you know, afflicted by it. She would end up with spasms, and certainly uh, then you know, she couldn't practice uh, properly under you know, those certain circumstances. Then she would regain you know, her health, and certainly uh, then you know, she would certainly uh, go back uh, to her sitting and uh, walking practice. And she continues to you know, continue to practice you know, like this you know, for you know, years, for, you know, for you know, several years you know, in a row. Now, uh, her you know, fellow you know, nuns in the you know, nunnery were quite concerned about her, you know, thinking that she would uh, overdo it and that uh, you know, she would ruin her health. And certainly, they reminded her you know, to you know, maybe not strive you know, that much. However, the Terry did not pay much attention to this well-intended advice, and she just kept going with her sitting and walking practice, and for the walking, she would use a staff. Now, one day, she really had it. And certainly she had, had enough of her uh, ailments. So she had still not certainly gained the Dhamma yet. And certainly then you know, she resolved either I am going to vanquish you know, the defilements certainly today or death will, or else let death occur. And so then equipped with her staff, she then mindfully, slowly, step by step, well, walked up this Gijakuta hill, and on occasion she, because of her weakness, she had to come down onto her knees, then she would crawl up near the hill, and eventually she made it to the top a bit exhausted, but 
without her, you know, without her mindfulness um, being broken. And so, you know, the, then she then you know, again made you know, this resolution, let you know, me you know, vanquish all you know, the mental defilements uh, or else you know, no, that, no, no, death might, or or, or, or else let uh, no, death occur, and so, or let me um, vanquish the defilements even um, um, if death occurs, and so then um, she practiced on top of Gijakuta the, the mountain. You know, for you know, some you know, more time, and so, you know, eventually you know, she gained you know, liberation, and so, you know, this then you know, brought about a major you know, change in her you know, stream of consciousness, and so, it immediately reflected on you know, her you know, face and so, uh, in her you know, uh, physical you know, being. And so, you know, then with much joy and happiness, rather agile, she came walking back down Gija Guta. Her fellow sisters in the nunnery immediately noticed a huge change and inquired with her what had happened. And suddenly then related to them. And certain, of course, everyone was greatly appreciative. She had gained arahanship. And involved in this was a practice that consisted of doing sitting meditation as well as certain walking meditation. Now, on one particular occasion, Elder Mahamogalana, one of the Buddha's two senior disciples, chief disciples, was practicing, and he was overcome by sloth and torpor. And the Buddha visited him in his mind, and then or with his psychic power, and suddenly then uh, appeared you know, appeared in front of Mahamogalana and suddenly then said the following, if the nodding pass not, then with the senses withdrawn, the mind not outward gone, you know, should you fix your thought on the alley walk, conscious of its front and Satna back. And Satna may be as you abide so, that drowsiness will pass. Now, this Satna translation is somewhat you know, out, you know, somewhat outdated. It's by uh, E.M. Hare. But nonetheless, Satna, the meaning is Satna there, and Satna, it means. And then certainly when we suffer from sloth and torpor, then we could consider doing the walking meditation and we could consider focusing on the walking path and suddenly then with our senses withdrawn from external formations, we then just walk up and suddenly down. And Satna withdrawing the senses Satna helps Satna to then prevent Satna the mind from getting distracted outwardly. Now, in terms of Satna, the uh, instructions that apply to you know, the walking you know, meditation. We have the same you know, set you know, that was mentioned already you know, yesterday, and so, you know, so I'll just briefly uh, repeat. Again, 
Oh, monastics and late meditators, when walking, one knows I am walking. When standing, one knows I'm standing. And when sitting, one knows I'm sitting. When lying down, one knows I'm lying down. Or one knows accordingly how everyone's body is disposed. So the instructions are rather brief and without certain further explanations, it would be somewhat difficult to know what is actually meant, how to carry out the walking meditation. Now, in the Mahasiddha tradition, of Fertner Vipassana meditation, walking meditation is a, a, a well, integral part of the meditation practice and certainly some clear-cut instructions are being given. And in some other traditions, certainly the walking meditation is not mentioned or, or not very much encouraged. So, when we do the walking, then we can, during the first form of walking, do it a little bit faster, even though it's still relatively slow by ordinary standards. And so, so, when the right leg moves, we label this as right step. When the left leg moves, we label it as left step. And then we try to know the predominant sensations that occur anywhere in the leg, the leg that is moving. Now, during, let's say, if we do one hour of walking meditation, then we could spend the first 20 minutes on this first form of walking meditation. And this applies especially to meditators who are new on retreat. Later on, let's say you've practiced, or most of you have already practiced for more than a week, so by now the first form of walking meditation may not be all that applicable anymore. Now, during the second 20-minute period, one could certainly then slow down one's walking meditation and then divide one step into two parts and certainly then label at the beginning of the lifting process as lifting and certainly then carefully observe the entire lifting process from start to finish. And so uh, then the same thing goes for you know, the lowering and placing of the foot. You know, one you know, at the beginning of you know, this lowering process, one labels it as lowering, and then one observes it and knows its nature. Now, during the you know, third 20-minute period, we you know, slow down our walking even further, and then we divide one step into three parts, and so you know, the lifting and the lowering placing is as before, and the only new part is the forward movement. And so at the start of the gliding movement, we briefly label as moving, and then we observe it carefully from start to finish, and we try to know it nature. Now, as we become more experienced in our meditation practice, then we may not want to do the first and second form of walking meditation anymore because the first and second form are somewhat too fast. 
And so the third kind of walking meditation, doing it really, really slowly, gives an opportunity to observe very carefully what's happening. Just this morning, there was a question from Judith, namely, she was wondering how can, or, or why do we need to do the walking meditation so slowly? Uh, is that correct? And uh, is there any reference uh, for uh, for it in uh, the text? Well, mm, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I'll have to uh, look it up, and this may uh, take some time. However, if we mm, reflect on it, mm, then mm, especially when one has certain practice for a longer period of time, one notices quite. Uh, uh, one notices for oneself you know, that quite naturally you know, there is an indication or, or there's a tendency to slow down one's walking meditation. And so it's in you know, when we do the walking meditation at a certain speed, we realize, okay, I'm seeing this much, but maybe not quite enough. And then, you know, quite naturally, one slows it down even further, and one realizes that now I'm seeing a bit more, and maybe uh, I could certainly see even more, and certainly then one might certainly slow down uh, even a bit certainly more. So, you know, a first tentative answer to your question is, it's a natural development that comes certainly with practice. And so, um, you know, this development you know, probably you know, was certainly uh, also you know, valid at certainly uh, the time of the Buddha and uh, uh, those who you know, did their you know, those certain uh, monastics and uh, you know, lay you know, meditators who you know, did the walking meditation you know, would certainly eventually also do it in a rather uh, slow and rather uh, mindful manner. Now. We can intensify our you know, walking you know, meditation a little bit by breaking down you know, each you know, movement or each process, so the lifting process, the forward movement, and the lowering, placing of foot near the foot uh, into two parts. And you know, thus, suddenly, you know, then you know, we have you know, the lifting and suddenly, you know, then the pulling. You know, then we have. Uh, um, you know, with the forward movement and then uh, you know, letting it you know, go, the last part, and you know, then um, lowering the foot and then uh, lowering and placing it on the ground and then actually you know, stepping or you know, treading uh, as certainly uh, you like. Now, from a meditator's point of view, uh, is there any other way of intensifying your walking meditation? Do you have any no, way, no, anything, any particular uh, no, no, thing that, uh, no, yes, Dimbakli? Well, it takes a little more mindfulness to walk backward. Oh, to walk backward. <laughs> <laughs> On occasion, one could certainly do this. No, no, yes, no, in, no, indeed. And then, mm, and then to be mindful no, 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 during this uh, uh, backward. <laughs> And so, and then, can you th could you think of uh, yet another you know, way of intensifying your you know, walking meditation, Robert? Focus on both feet at the same time. Better not. <laughs> Better not. I, I disagree with this certain point because you know, this will, you know, oh, your you know, mindfulness and your concentration or your mind will have to go you know, from one foot you know, to you know, the other. And this you know, may you know, cause some uh, distraction in the mind. Yes, please. Oh, you could even do this, but make sure that uh, you, know, you um, have enough time for you know, the actual observation and uh, you know, then uh, knowing the nature. Uh, Michael, you had something? Yes, like how? Or to see which element is predominant. Mm -hmm. 
yes, indeed, in you know, the commentaries, you know, there is certain reference certain to this. And then, Joanna, intentions, yes, you know, you know, so including intentions in you know, one's uh, you know, field of observation, intention to lift the foot, uh, and then you know, actually lifting you know, the foot in intention to you know, you know, move the foot forward, and uh, you know, then you know, actually you know, physically moving it forward. Yes, same. Okay, and I still have one more, you know, you know, Jennifer first. Uh, to pay attention to the feelings, yes, okay. And then I still have uh, one more point, <laughs> namely, and some of you are doing it already. Robert is one, Max is one, and Bhakti is another one. To, if you have you know, a hood and, uh, or something to cover you know, your head, um, a baseball cap will also do the job. And so this will help to do what? It will eliminate distractions. There you go. And you'll be much more focused. And this itself might help to intensify your practice. And then still one more point. At certain points here in the building, there are these hand railings. And so you know, they might as well you know, be used for walking meditation. And so if, you, you know, if on occasion you have uh, you know, the, you, know, you get the impression you know, that your walking meditation is a little bit weak, then find yourself uh, you know, such a hand rating, make sure that you don't uh, you know, take other people's space, and, uh, and then hold on to it, close your eyes, and do your walking meditation really, really, really you know, slowly. And so I can guarantee you a microcosm of footnote formations will be at your disposal to be observed. And so try this once in a while, and it will surely make a big difference in your practice. And so when we do you know, the walking meditation, you know, do we need an awfully long you know, stretch like you know, one kilometer you know, up and down all the way from, you know, from one end of the forest center to the other? Is this necessary? Kathleen, uh, is not necessary. And so you know, we can content ourselves with uh, as little as maybe just five meters or sometimes even less you know, than you know, this, maybe just two or three you know, meters. So when we do the walking meditation really, really slowly and mindfully, you know, then you know, to cover a short uh, distance may actually take quite you know, some time. Now, when we... You know, mm, Look at certainly the, or since uh, an earlier talk was about uh, phenomenology, mm, you know, so you know, about certain, you know, very specific uh, phenomena you know, occurring. Uh, well, you know, we can apply this to our you know, walking meditation, and certainly so. Beginning you know, meditators will you know, frequently you know, display what kind of uh, uh, walking meditation. How would their walking meditation be characterized? Pardon me? Unstable. Yes, unstable is quite certainly correct. And uh, um, in, at the center in Lumbini, let's say when a you know, beginning you know, meditator is uh, you know, done with the meal, in the dining hall, then typically he or she you know, will you know, walk out of the hall quite quickly and you know, then, in a really bad case, would even bump into the corner of a table and you know, you know, when watching all of this, you know, one you know, might even you know, worry that the person you know, will you know, lose his or her balance and even fall. And so, so this is certainly quite certainly common. And some, the you know, movements you know, tend to be you know, still pretty rough. And some, a beginning you know, meditator may know some intentions, but you know, not all. 
And so the mindfulness, certainly during you know, the f beginning phase of one's walking meditation, will be, as we've seen in a different context already, somewhat intermittent. Now, further down the road, things improve a bit. One gains some balance, physical balance, and then as a meditator, one comes to know more intentions, and one might also then come to see certain connection between one object and another. And so, in terms of a very well-known well connection in the walking meditation, sometimes it happens, you do your walking meditation, let's say, in the hallway, and then a fellow meditator comes walking past you, um, or, or, or let's say towards you, and if in your mind you have just a little bit of antipathy towards that meditator, what will happen? What will happen to your walking meditation? You might lose your balance. There you go. And so tiny little things, subtle little things like our relationship towards or our yeah, well, our view of another, or our attitude towards another meditator, even if it's just very subtle, may throw us off balance. And or let's say we're doing the walking meditation, and then all of a sudden we hear some loud bang, and then again, this might disrupt our walking. Now, as we you know, then go on with you know, the walking meditation and things you know, deepen, you know, then we will ideally you know, come to you know, understand you know, changes you know, while we are you know, lifting you know, the foot. We'll you know, see you know, that within one single movement there are so many different you know, sensations occurring and so you know, they keep putting you know, changing from moment you know, to moment and so as we continue with our you know, walking meditation we might suddenly you know, notice that earlier on everything's were or, or things were quite uh, you know, quite pleasant you know, relatively you know, free from and pains and aches, and suddenly now you know, you know, things change, and suddenly then uh, pains and aches become you know, predominant, and suddenly it's somewhat heavy to do you know, the walking you know, meditation. And suddenly you know, then again, you know, a little bit further you know, down you know, the road, a meditator might you know, notice sooner or you know, later that uh, the walking you know, meditation is. Uh, you know, not certainly happening because we you know, are in control of it, but rather it happens all you know, by itself. Now, still you know, later on, it might certainly on occasion happen you know, that the body becomes certainly very light, and certainly then we feel like you know, walking on uh, a cloud or you know, walking on a trampoline. And much, much later in our walking meditation, we might find ourselves, and so, but also the others who observe us doing the walking, our movements become extremely graceful and very fluid, very continuous, and very balanced. And just this morning, one or, or during the interview today, one of the meditators said that he felt overall like well, like a fish in an aquarium. So, what does this mean, Venerable Viraniani? Swimming in the water. Pardon me, swimming. 
are very fluid. Well, there's another meaning to it. You know, so you know, the you know, fish in the aquarium you know, will you know, be very much aware of you know, things going, you know, going on around you know, the aquarium or not. Not really. So you know, it's just another you know, illustration for a type of you know, a state of being relatively absorbed in you know, one's meditation practice. So one is so absorbed in you know, the walking practice that one barely knows what's going on around. And so and in that particular state, all you see is certainly you know, the you know, the feet and the shoes of your you know, fellow meditators, and you recognize them by you know, the type of shoes they're you know, wearing. And so, and one you know, as a really you know, serious meditator, you know, one doesn't even you know, see the other parts you know, of you know, the body. Now, quite a number of uh, you know, benefits uh, can be attributed to you know, the walking you know, meditation. And uh, one you know, benefit we've heard already, namely in the advice uh, given by the Buddha to uh, Elder Mahamogalana, namely uh, walking meditation may help uh, to overcome you know, sloth and uh, torpor. Walking meditation may also be a good way of ensuring the continuity of one's mindfulness. So to ensure that one's mindfulness is continuous from the sitting into or carried over from the sitting into the walking meditation into the next sitting session. And so the walking meditation ensures a balance of postures. And this is something not to be taken lightly. Sometimes there are meditators on a retreat who love to sit for long hours and then think only long sittings are important and then kind of neglect the walking meditation. And the result of this could be, I'm not saying it is always happening, um, you know, the result of this could certainly be you know, that the person ends up you know, maybe with constipation or you know, maybe you know, the practice is not really you know, moving ahead anymore and you know, there's a, there might be a certain lack of you know, effort. And so especially during the beginning you know, phase of you know, meditation retreat, it's good you know, to spend about equal amount of time in you know, the walking and you know, in you know, sitting. Now, in the Anguttara Nikaya, uh, volume 3, section 29, we have you know, the so-called Chankamatna Sutta, so you know, the discourse on walking meditation, and in particular, uh, its certain benefits. The Buddha says there are these five advantages of walking meditation. And these will be described one by one. So the very first one is that walking meditation hardens a person for traveling or it leads to endurance for a long or develops endurance for a long journey. Now, at the time of the Buddha, as the Venerable Sadhu Panditatna explains, the monastics did not have any motor vehicles at their disposal, and they had to rely on their feet as a means of transportation. 
And so doing the walking meditation on a regular basis, means well exercise and it also means developing a certain endurance, a certain stamina to go on a long journey. Now, the second benefit ascribed to you know, the walking meditation is you know, that it is certainly good certainly for striving. Now, the meaning here is striving is certainly a term for effort. And when we usually sit in meditation, then most of now, the effort is uh, um, most of the effort that is required is a mental effort to you know, observe uh, you know, the predominant object. Some amount of physical uh, effort you know, to maintain an upright posture is necessary, yes, you know, but it's not all that great, and especially not in comparison to the walking. So, in walking, a double effort is necessary, namely, the you know, physical effort to maintain an upright certain posture and to you know, carry you know, on you know, with the actual walking and then you know, the you know, the mental effort you know, to you know, be mindful of you know, whatever um, you know, predominant object certainly comes up and certainly thus a double effort is certainly required in you know, the walking meditation and certainly thus you know, walking meditation can be said as certainly one way of strengthening you know, one's certain effort if needs uh, uh, if there's a need for it now if we you know, do only longer or if we do only the sitting meditation with very short pauses in between then as mentioned earlier on we might end up with health problems such as certain constipation and certain then even ending up with various certain physical ailments weakness of the body and so on and so doing the walking meditation is a way to strengthen our mindfulness, our concentration, and also our intuitive wisdom, but also to ensure continued good health and good blood circulation and regular bowel movements. Now, the fourth benefit is somewhat certainly related to the third certain point, and certainly so it is said that the walking meditation tends to lead to good certain digestion after one has eaten, after one has crunched and munched, and and certainly so. When we when we have taken a meal, then the well the stomach is certainly filled with food, and certainly this then easily leads to some sleepiness, and so either one takes a nap or one does the walking meditation and certainly then tries to overcome you know, this sleepiness in, in this way. Now, so walking meditation helps to you know, keep you know, the, or to clear the bowels so to ensure you know, that one doesn't get certainly constipated. And certainly walking meditation is also you know, advisable as a first thing in the morning after getting up. So let's say you wake up and you feel a little bit sluggish. Well, then consider doing some brisk walking meditation. 
rotation up and walking uh, up and down, yeah, back and certainly uh, forth. And uh, this will sure uh, get your uh, physical uh, and uh, mental uh, system uh, going. And thus, your first sitting meditation will be quite active. Your mind is not likely to fall asleep. Now, the final, the fifth benefit attributed to the walking meditation is certainly given as durable concentration. And so when you do the walking meditation, you have to be with every step and all the predominant or the most predominant sensation occurring. And certainly this from moment to moment to moment. And it certainly will help to ensure good certain concentration and even a further development of your concentration. And it is just like with the mindfulness, if your concentration is continuous from moment to moment, then the end result will be a very strong concentration. Now, walking meditation is uh, um, is an important part of our you know, overall you know, mindfulness practice, and certainly it is certainly really worth, you know, or, or it needs to complement you know, the sitting you know, meditation, and certainly you know, then you know, when both forms of mindfulness or both forms are you know, being practiced, you know, then. Um, it ensures a smooth uh, unfolding of intuitive uh, wisdom. The Venerable Sadhupanita Bhivams of Burma says that if one is not doing one's walking meditation, it's kind of like the battery in a in a car that is not driving or that is not being driven around. And certainly, so it's in driving that we recharge a battery. So if we don't do the walking meditation, then our system cannot certainly get certainly recharged. So we need to do the walking meditation. Now, as for the the ultimate or the potential of you know, the walking meditation in terms of attainment. Mm, the apparently, according to Venerable Analayo in his book uh, you know, Satipatthana, um, apparently there are even two passages in you know, the Patisambida Magga that certain report of well two monastics, two bhikkhus, one gains. They gained arahantship after 20 years of walking meditation, and the second one, and the second monastic, it took him only 16 years to gain the same state. Now, whatever it may be, whether 16 or 20 years, the main thing is it happens. Now, Walking meditation has certain much certain potential in terms of an you know, attainment of ultimate attainment of Fatna the Dhamma, and so, but we don't even have to go that certain far. And as the Venerable Nyasadu Pandita has in the past explained, even in in, in walking meditation, we can discover the Eightfold Noble Path. So if we you know, do it really slowly and uh, you know, we, um, you know, we're established in you know, sila, and suddenly then you know, when with every you know, moment of uh, observing an object and knowing an object, uh, well, it follows you know, that um, 
the uh, path factor, noble path factor of effort you know, needs to be there. It also you know, follows that you know, the you know, noble path factor of mindfulness you know, is certainly there. And uh, sorry, and then also you know, the noble path factor of concentration, as well as uh, uh, a proper uh, intention or right certain uh, thought or uh, explained in a different way, uh, right certain uh, aiming, so our uh, mind is aimed at certain uh, the respective object and uh, with this then right view uh, uh, occurs, uh, which is certain, uh, nothing other uh, than intuitive uh, wisdom. And so even within one single step of doing the walking meditation, the eightfold or the path factors of the eightfold noble path are present and can be gradually further developed. Now, An anecdote in connection with the walking meditation, actually it's a true story, Deepa Ma, a well-accomplished meditator from originally from West Bengal, so in northern India, who then together with her family moved to Burma. And when Deepama had her first chance to do an intensive retreat at the Mahasi Center in Rangoon, Burma, then her concentration was so strong that while she was doing her walking meditation, she was observing objects as they came came along. And it so happened that a dog bit her into the calf. And it took several steps, only after several steps, that she realized something was pulling her leg backwards. And so, but suddenly, uh, and then it took her even longer you know, to, you know, or it took her even you know, a few extra steps you know, to realize that a dog had just bitten her and was pulling in the opposite direction. Let me conclude today's Dhamma talk by wishing that may all of you have well a mindfulness or an effort, mindfulness, concentration as deep and profound as that of Deepama, who later on became an outstanding meditation teacher and who even taught at Satna IMS. And then may much intuitive wisdom arise during the walking meditation and may it lead to the attainment of liberation from suffering in the ultimate sense. And this is it for now.